Melbourne victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Well, as the A-League sides crawl their way over the finish line, one head coach has decided that instead of Rainey MacArthur, he'd rather be on the Dalmatian coast. And who on earth can blame him? Ante Milicic has announced that he will depart MacArthur FC at the end of the season due to family reasons and return to his native Croatia. Well, his native. His, uh, his uh, I guess, lineage, his homeland. Yes. Uh, and, you know, the lifestyle he used to lead as a national team assistant coach and scout in that part of the world, I, I think it feels a lot more glamorous than uh, than his current head coaching role. I'm Josh Parrish. I've got Jason Goldsmith here with me on the Oz Football Hour. How are you, Jason? I'm good, Josh. Uh, good to be here. Yeah, it's an interesting one with Ante. I don't think he got some, well, I guess with all the, the lockdowns and everything else, with MacArthur, a really good run at it. And you remember he sort of gave up the Matildas gig to take the MacArthur mm. gig on, but... um. Yeah, family reasons. If you've got links back to Croatia and you've, you've earned enough money to have a bit of time off, you know, get a coffee from Mark Viduka's coffee shop and just <laughs> relax. It's, why wouldn't you choose that kind of lifestyle choice? Absolutely. I mean, MacArthur have been a pretty miserable watch this season and not just because of their disappointing home crowds. They've had players in and out of the side. Danny De Silva disappeared unannounced and then returned <laughs> with no explanation. Uh, they've, again had a really inconsistent, patchy season where they started the league campaign like a house on fire with all these clean sheets and wins and seemed impossible to score against and have since regressed badly to the mean and are now sitting just outside the finals places. They are one point out, a couple of games to go. So it feels like we are really limping towards the end of the season. There's 15 games to go in the whole of the A-League men's and – um. Yeah, MacArthur, one point out of the top six for finals. Um, probably a good time to announce it, I guess, with um, be a few coaches uh, looking for roles. And, um, yeah, hopefully he's not lost to Australian football. He did serve a pretty good job there as um, Ange Postacoglu's assistant and our scout for us in Europe, especially all the Europe-based Australians. So he could do that for the men's or the women's teams quite easily. Mm. Um and being in the same time zone and, and maybe uncovering a couple of gems like uh, he sort of had a little bit of a hand in last time between the likes of Fran Karacic and, and getting Apo Janu from, from Greece and that kind of thing. Look at the Sutars and extra Australian players to actually bring into the national team. So hopefully he's not lost to Australian football just yet. I wouldn't think so. I mean, given that he already has those national team links and has mm. multiple roles, I don't think the door would be closed to him returning in some backroom kind of capacity or... You know, we, he might pop up at a Croatian club. I, I wouldn't be shocked by that either. No, well, isn't um, Zelko Kalic is he's coaching in Croatia? I'm sure mm. there's, so, there's some friendlies there, I'm, I'm sure. But what a, what a gig. If he gets paid to watch football, that's something that we should possibly push ourselves towards. <laughs> Base ourselves in Croatia, watch a few games in the right time zone, none of this setting the alarms. To watch the great European leagues. Yeah, that's, great, that's the big announcement that's the this dream. week. FNR is relocating to split. Uh, it's been great knowing you guys, but uh, we've decided to catch our one hour playing. a week to be based in Croatia. <laughs> great. Anyway, 
<laughs> so they're not the only A-League team looking for a new head coach. Perth Glory have cast the net far and wide and have been linked with such luminaries oh, as I, Sven Joran Eriksson and Dwight York. I love this. So, like, I love this. So we had a, a chapter in, in Lucas in my book, but I guess was all about the rumours of the best rumours of, of players coming to play for Australian clubs and, and clearly coaches. We've got that as well now. So, yes. Um, how old Sven? 74. 74. I think. Time to call it a day. Surely he's, he's earned enough money to, to relax and and unwind and make back in Sweden and just relax. I'm sure there's some Middle East dollars that could probably get him get him by. I'm not sure Perth would be the right thing for him. Does he realise he, he has to fly four hours? I hope he's looked at a map. Yeah. Yeah. I'd, look, he, his name gets linked with every available job in Asia. Yeah. Um, so he seems to just want to live out here somewhere and his agent's probably working overtime, just, you know, applying for everything and trying to chat to journalists and get his name in the, amongst the rumour mill. I don't want, I don't want the all night Dwight approach because we, we had that with Robbie Fowler, right? We had a mm. massive name that's never coached really before or, you know, you know, minor leagues in Thailand and things like that. A big name, but as a big name as a player is a difference to a big name as a coach when they're not proven. Um, the, the one positive thing this year, I think, is that all the, all the coaches in the A-League are Australian. Nick Montgomery's got Australian citizen. I think the rest of them are all Aussies. So hopefully we can continue down that vein because we're seeing what's happening now with Kevin Musket, Ange Postacoglu, um, uh, that are still moving you know, to, to greener pastures overseas. So maybe we can continue to push down that direction. I disagree with the marquee coach model as well because I don't think people come to see the coach. No one does, no. no. I mean, you know, how entertaining can they possibly be strutting up and down the sidelines? Unless it's Diego Simeone, yep. you know, the show is on the field. And unless it's a coach who is famous for playing an incredibly attractive attacking brand of football mm-hmm. that people are going to want to watch anyway, the marquee coach makes no sense. And we don't no. know what kind of football Dwight York favours or what his fate, you know, what what formation does White York want to play? Nobody knows. <laughs> so, you know, it's I guess it's hard to get your start. You got to start somewhere. But I don't think the A League should be a launching pad for a guy just because he used to play here. No, and and well, we've seen that with players no. as well, right? So yeah, the same thing. So you know, we've had big name coaches before. You talk about um, you know, Terry Butcher in the A League and, and Pushkas in the NSL. Mm-hmm. So some of them are proven and actually can work well, but. I hope they don't go further unproven. Sven Goran Eriksson's got a fairly decent resume, though, mind you. He's 74, but uh, he's, he's done some good things. I, I was, uh, and this is like a tangent, but I was going through most successful coaches by win percentage in the yeah. A-League, and Terry Butcher was number eight, Okay, which absolutely stunned me because he was one, widely one mocked as a, yeah. as a flop. Yeah. But apparently he's one of the top ten coaches we've ever had in terms of just winning records, so there you go. There you go. <laughs> um, maybe it was the fact that he was part of the so-called English mafia and uh, uh, didn't like yes. his type around here. Start. Yes, that's right. Anyway, <laughs> we don't want to get down get down that uh, goes down those. But if we want to stay stay in Europe, some good news in France. Mm-hmm. Danny John Rose, uh, uh, League Two team Toulouse got promoted, so he will be going to uh, the first division. So we have another Australian playing in a top league in Europe, which is what we will hope for. So that's fantastic news. And he's the eighth Australian to he's, play in uh, Ligue 1. Yeah, some pretty decent names too. If you want to look, I've got the list here. So the Aussies that have played in the French First Division, Eddie Krenchevich, Robbie Slater, Frank Farina, uh, Zlatko, and I'm going to butcher his last name. So Zlatko, Aaron Bazic, um, Ned Zelic, Milay Stojovski, Nicky Carl, and even Ross Aloisi had a game in the, in the late 90s there as well. 
Ross Aloisi is. I, I wouldn't have guessed that in a million years, but there you go. No, Robbie Thompson guessed that on Twitter for me. So he's uh, <laughs> his um, French links has certainly um, paid off there. So he'd be the eighth. So that's that's pretty impressive, and the first one in about fifteen, sixteen years, which is also very, mm. very good. Obviously, Denny's got uh, French heritage, so that makes a difference with him moving over there. But that's fantastic news. We want more Australians successful in Europe. I think he spent time in France as a child, if I remember correctly. So. Yeah. Uh, he's comfortable there clearly and is flourishing and starting and playing heaps of minutes. Uh, so, I mean, that's fantastic. Obviously, sides look to strengthen and recruit when they go up, yep. so there's no guarantee he won't be replaced. But that's so good to see an Australian finally cracking into one of the top echelon of European leagues. We've seen very few Australians playing in that level. No, and I think the language barrier probably has pushed it off. But if you have a look at the the Aussies that they have, played there they've all come from Belgium so they've got a chance with the language and mm. a bit of the culture before they moved in so Eddie Krenchevich obviously won a, a golden boot in Belgium and moved there in the, yep. in the late 80s and Frank Farina the same he had a couple of stints there so and then yeah and, and Robbie Slater too he started in Belgium before he moved to France as well so that's um a path that was taken previously but a good to see Denny in there now and, and hopefully we get a few more well, with that, I think we'll take a quick break. We've got heaps of A-League action to get into today. A thriller in the F3 derby, a wonder goal in the Adelaide-Perth match, a uh, comedy goal in the Melbourne Victory-McArthur game, and a pretty uh, nifty backheel as well to talk about. And we've got Asian Champions League fixtures to talk about as well. So stay with us here on the Oz Football Hour. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! And Tim Ante again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick from Mobile. Time to get into the good, bad and the ugly from the A-League weekend. I think we'll start with my favourite, the ugly Josh Belante's goal in the Melbourne Victory MacArthur game that I don't think he saw it. We saw it on TV. His teammates had to point it out to him. He was too busy appealing to the referee for a handball and didn't see the P-roller just about wander its way over the goal line. It's got to be the slowest ball ever. <laughs> Absolutely. Even in slow motion, just watching it roll and roll and just completely cross the line. Fantastic. <laughs> That's one for Andy Howe. Do we have velocity statistics <laughs> in the A-League? Is that the slowest Don't, shot to ever cross the line? I wouldn't challenge Andrew. He will He will come back with something. He will have it for sure. <laughs> but, yeah, amazing. But that wasn't, that wasn't the goal highlight in, for mm. me watching that game. That was um, Miranda's little uh, back heel from the corner. Yeah, that was brilliant. And not the kind of finish you associate with a centre-back either. No, not at all. But um, and, and how many times would he be able to do it again? Like, I'm not saying he wasn't deliberate, but how many times would he be able to do that again? It hey, was, if um, he does it when it matters. Yeah, you know. freaky. Freaky. Well, so it, was, it was like a Gianfranco Zola impersonation. It was, it was amazing. It was a, and, and a good result for the victory, but they mm. kind of that was when they were calling themselves the benchmark after that. And then... They've bookended that win with a couple of draws against Brisbane Raw, which has probably cost them the chance of uh, really having a crack at the Premier's plate because um, they've dropped well, dropped four points that they probably should have taken given how Raw have travelled this year. There was one save from Jordan Holmes at the tail end of that oh, victory yeah. game that may have denied them that silverware. It was that amazing. was such a good yeah. stop. It was amazing. It was one of the, the few highlights in, in that game. Um, 
Tell you what, the weather in the northern part of this country has been horrendous for this season. Mm. And watch every game, it's wet. Um, yeah, and Melbourne hub. That's all we're saying. Oh, you know, mate, we've got mate, the sunshine here. We don't want a hub. We don't want any more hubs. You know, <laughs> no. We had enough of the hubs and, and that kind of thing. But yeah, it's um, it was interesting, but not all wet. And yeah, victory have pretty much cost themselves. I think now the chance to really have a crack at it with mm. um, a couple of games to go. Western United will play Central Coast Mariners this weekend, which is mm-hmm. a really big game for the Premier's plate. It is. That's probably the that's probably the game of the round, to be honest. That's uh, I think it's like a mid mm-hmm. afternoon one on Saturday, like four o'clock or something. So, well, yeah. we know the game of the round is whichever game the Cum Dog is involved in. But uh, how good was the derby? Can we get we move to that? Or yeah, let's do that. Let's right. do that now. All right. Uh, Newcastle Jets 2, Central Coast Mariners 4, a game that ended uh, in red card controversy. Matt Simon getting involved, even though he wasn't even playing, which was very on-brand. Newcastle almost did it. They almost came back from the dead uh, at 3-0 down. Uh, They scored the equaliser and had it cruelly taken away from them thanks to a push in the back. VAR spoiling the party. And then the Mariners sealing the three points with... Garang Kual, young Alu Kual's brother, scoring a marvellous goal off the bench. Uh, it was This game just had everything. This is the Saturday night stuff that we want, right? Mm. And, um, you know, on free-to-air, that's the game we want. We want the marquee games, the F3 derby. There was a decent crowd and supportive of both teams. And, yeah, they, they, straight straight out of the blocks, the Mariners 3-0 up after, like, 34 minutes. Um, Jason Cummings scored. Then he gets a penalty, scores again, 3-0 up. How good's this? The Mariners are home. And then within five minutes of the second half, it's game on. Mm. It was amazing how quickly it turned. Yeah. And that's I mean, that's the beautiful beauty of football. But it, it did it did turn so quickly. Um own goal against Jacob Farrell and, and and it's game on all of a sudden. Well, then, Jacob Farrell was a hero in this fixture earlier in the season and he would have been pretty nervous when that, that third Newcastle goal went in and they had the VAR review thinking, <laughs> you know, that horrible own goal that he scored as he turned to villain. But it turned out it didn't matter in the end. Yeah, and a nice little bit of push and shove. Like, it meant a lot, this game. Mm. The, only, the only thing that annoyed me a tiny bit was the choice of um, the choice of uniforms. Both teams were wearing their second and third kits, right? So... Mm. If we want to keep pushing this game and this is the free-to-air game, then, you know, maybe we want the, the traditional uh, colours. Petty gripes, while we're talking petty gripes. I, I saw you tweet on Saturday night about one of those about the coverage. After Maresh scored the chip, yep. they cut to an ad break, mm-hmm. which I hate after you score a goal. Yep. Show as many replays of that thing as possible. If you have to have something popping up on the screen saying... You know, the whole, all the rest of the games are on Paramount Plus, guys. Head on over. You know, th- there are plenty of broadcasting examples where you can have banner ads going up and still have the action being, re- being replayed. Why you would want to cut away from the fixture at the most exciting point of it, uh, you know, the moment of quality in the game that everyone's going to want to replay and see again on the yep. highlights and you're showing one replay and then going to an ad break is a nonsensical strategy to me. But the fact that they cut to an ad and it was an ad for Paramount Plus and the A-League just infuriated me because I'm thinking we're already watching watching the thing. This is the advertisement. You don't need to cut to an ad. This Maresh goal, this chip is what you want to show people to get them to sign up in the first place. And it just shows the people making these decisions don't actually understand what they're selling. No, because well, we're preaching to the converted with us and whoever's listening and watching us at the moment. Of course. Exactly right. So... um. What, how are you going to sell it? 
is the, the scoring goals. You want a replay of the goals. You want the goal celebrations. You want the crowd jumping up and down. You want the active going to be a little bit mental mm. as well, right? And carrying on. That's that's what sells it. That's what sells the sport. That's the point of difference. You don't cut away from it and then and the rest of it, you know, go to come back and then show the mundane stuff. Anyway, I actually with the ACL watched the one of the Champions League uh, highlight package of the Sydney FC game. And their highlight package <laughs> showcased the substitutions. Now, for me, they're not the highlight of the of the game, although it was supposed to be quite a boring game. But for not for ninety minutes, you don't want to know how many subs they made in their little highlights package. Well, we were giving them props for their highlights we earlier, were, and we I, I suspect that's AFC work. So maybe the blame goes to the AFC as well. Well, well they're watching a lot of football at the moment with the Champions League, so perhaps it has got a little bit. Uh, yeah. A little bit too much for them, and they just nodded off for that one. Maybe the person cutting the highlights was a friend of the fourth official, and they just wanted to see that Possibly. subsport action. Yeah. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> Doing well. But um, look, Mariners, fantastic. So they're on the back of uh, going over to New Zealand and, and spoiling the, the Phoenix homecoming party. They're entrenched into sixth spot. They've got three games to go. So the two other the two Sydney sides, MacArthur and Sydney FC, are behind them on points, but also they've got mm. a game in hand. So they can do it. They're in good spot to make the finals, which would be a great story for the coach, the playing and the playing, uh, the staff and the players. Fantastic effort. We're, we're, I'm, I'm cheering very hard for the Mariners. We want them to make it because they, they're well worth watching. They've, they're good fun. Well, I wanted the Jets to make it, of course, because they're so fun to watch. They've shot themselves in the foot too many times this season mm-hmm. to have a hope. Yep. Uh, but the Mariners, honestly... And for my second favourite team to watch this season, ever since Jason Cummings has come in and given yep. that that extra attacking dimension, they already had the foundation in place. Yep. They were a bit grim to watch at the start of the season because they just didn't have enough forward players and Maresh was being forced to play centrally. Ever since he's come in, he's changed the equation for them. And they're actually, even though they're a reactive team, I guess, and a counter-attacking team yep. a lot of the time, they're marvellous to watch. They're, they're very, very entertaining. And I, I, I would love to see them in the finals. And I think they will be there. That's exactly, and more Jason Cummings on TV, the better, especially yep. coming into the, the Socceroos calculations. Like, we, we laughed about it at the start, and we keep saying it. We want to cap the cum dog. It's, it's, we want him it's in there. It's not a joke it's anymore. Because he, he's actually, his link play is fantastic as yeah. well, right? Not just, um, you know, he's not a fox in the box just scoring like we've got the strikers in the national team at the moment, right? He's, he's the guy that's linking up and going to help. Um, I, I watched the game in New Zealand and Jason Pine summed up the Mariners quite, quite fun, were very fun. And I've missed Piney's commentary in, the, in the, the New Zealand games when he said, oh, the Mariners came over and, and, ro- and ruined our homecoming party. Not only did they ruin it, they kicked over the stereo and they drank all the craft beer. <laughs> so um, a nice little take on that. But, um, yeah, it was, it was great to see the Mariners get in some form. Is there an argument to suggest that Sky Sport New Zealand puts on a better show than... Paramount and Channel Ten do. I like. I oh, really yeah, enjoy yeah, yeah. the production no... value of the whole thing. I guess it's easier when you're only preparing for two games. But... Two, two games with big crowds and atmosphere and the rest of it. It's been pretty handy. So there's fifteen thousand at Auckland last week, mm. um, and then the Phoenix are back here. We just had a look at the fixture. So the remaining games are back in Australia. So I do want to talk about. I do want to talk about the Knicks. But before we move on from this F three derby, yep. Garan Qual. Yes. What a oh, goal yes, and what yeah. a story. I mean, the Mariners obviously gave Alu a chance when nobody down in Melbourne would, mm-hmm. and that's been well covered. The victory youth coach telling him he was too raw, yep. which I still it's, – it's just a line that lives rent-free in my head. Like how can a, a youth coach whose job it is to take talent and make it into 
professional footballers yep. can say, oh, you're so talented, but, you know, I'm just not talented enough to I can't coach you. you. Yeah, yeah, I can't, I can't <laughs> like get the best out of you. That's just an yeah. admission of defeat. Yeah. Uh, and, you know, that, that, that line to me actually speaks to, uh, I guess, an unconscious bias and ingrained racism in football against players of African descent, to be honest, because they're often labelled with those sorts of tags about being, you know, oh, they're so, they've got all the ingredients, but they're just not team players or, you know, they don't work hard enough or whatever. And I think some of these are lazy stereotypes that coaches yeah. need to break themselves out of. Correct. And that's that's international. That's just not here. No, that's well. not Australia. Yeah, yeah, that's yeah. not unique that's, to Australia no. at all. But um, talking about Garang, I mean, I, I saw this kid two years ago when I did the African Nations Cup broadcast yep. for the first time. And unfortunately, uh, South Sudan's team that year got knocked out pretty early, but he was just tearing it up, nutmegging players twice his size. And I was thinking, oh, wow, who's this guy? And then I heard the surname and I've immediately connected to him, to his brother yep. at uh, at GB Suns and, and then the Mariners. And, you know, there's more coming. I was going to say, isn't the little brother, isn't there a younger brother that's supposed to be better? Well, there's Tang, who uh, was playing Victory Youth last season. I'm not sure yep. where he's at now. Uh, and then Diddy, who's oh, still 12 years old or something. Well, so late, He's the next best, next big thing. We just want to put any pressure on him. We'll but make- uh, according to Alu, in his yeah. own words, in the Shepparton News article that I share every single time it's topical because it's the best interview I've ever read with an Australian footballer, uh, Diddy is going to be the, the best one of the lot. So uh, we can't wait for the for the next qual to break out. It's exciting. It is exciting. Um. Yeah, it was fantastic. You want you want to see that. You want to see that youth, that excitement, those goals. That's what you know mm. makes it worthwhile. Sitting through some uh, nil old draws drudgery in the, in the A League, and believe us, we've had some drudgery this oh, season. Yeah. So we're going to take this and, and cling to it. Absolutely. And, uh, we'll get into an, another African player who scored a worldie in a moment. But uh, Nick's Mark Rodan playing yes. the pantomime villain to perfection, getting sent off, giving us a little bow. Uh, he's he's very self aware about the role that he plays, especially with the Phoenix too. Yeah. I guess. Um, what did he say? What do you reckon he said? Oh, I don't know. <laughs> You're welcome. I, don't know. <laughs> I built this team. You know, maybe the, the comeback could have been a You know, you had your chance to equalise. You had a very good mm. chance to equalise, and um. Yeah. They hit the crossbar twice, Western Sydney. Yugarkovic yes. took one of the worst penalties we've ever seen in any match. Like, I've watched that on replay. Like, the, the poor guy slipped right just mm. before contact, right? Just before it's the John Terry in the yeah. Champions League oh, final. The ball didn't bobble, though. He slipped. It no. Was just, it was, yeah. He just, he just he lied, on the, lied on his back. He wanted the whole ground to swallow himself up. Mm. And, and one of the few big crowds that he would have played in front of this season as well. So... Um, yeah, it was, it was a fitting result for, for Mark Rudan, I thought, just for his little uh, brief homecoming there for the Phoenix. <laughs> uh, it, it, was a, it was a good game from an atmosphere perspective. The quality was mixed, I would say. Well, I was, I was talking off air. Like, I'm not sure. 15,000 and it's not their home city, which is amazing, which goes to show that they've been, obviously New Zealand have been robbed of, of high-level sport for a, a while, a long time. Um, and there might be a market there for another mm. New Zealand team if they really want to do it properly. I mean, you know, I don't want to say fish where the fish are, but you know what I mean? Like it's, it's Fush big, where the fush are? Yeah, something like that. <laughs> but it's a decent crowd. It's great. How good's big crowds, you know? It's not that mm. hard to... But, I mean, before we go there, I, th- I think it'd be good to see whether that kind of novelty value and excitement yeah, yeah. holds think- up over an entire season because the fact that they're back in town and they haven't seen them for so long is going to boost the crowd because everyone's going to be want to be there. Yep. Whether when they're playing at home every two weeks, that's the same. It, I'm not sure. But 
you know, it's still great for the league. Just one thing further on New Zealand football too. So they've lined up a friendly before their World Cup playoff match mm-hmm. uh, against Peru. So Peru is going to play against New Zealand in a few days lining up before their, their playoff with uh, Costa Rica, which means um, Peru are basically planning to play Australia if we beat the UAE. And I, I, I'm not sure about the mentality about this when it comes to ge- geography that some, some go, countries will say, oh, we want to play that country because there'll be a similar style just based on their location. And do, do, New, Zealand, <laughs> do New Zealand play the same as, as the Socceroos? Like that's, that's the mentality. Like when mm. we, we, we're going to play Denmark, so we'll play Norway or Sweden in a, um, in a friendly beforehand because the Scandinavians must it, all play the same. It's weirdly reductive it's thinking, just, isn't it's, it? No, it's really, it's really strange to me. But you anyway, see it all the time. Yeah, constantly. So, but anyway, New Zealand have, have locked in a, a friendly with Peru leading into their World Cup playoff and Peru leading into their World Cup playoff, whether it's against us or UAE. But anyway, that's an interesting, interesting tidbit. Other A-League action from the weekend, I want to talk about, well, only one aspect of the Adelaide-Perth glory game. Mm-hmm. Uh, Perth rolling out the Young Brigade again, and they've pretty much put their feet up and said, no, we're not contesting the rest of the season. Uh, but Nestori Iran Kunda, again, scoring another worldie. Uh, we don't see many glimpses of him, but whenever he plays, he seems to score an absolute banger. And this one was no exception. Just driven into the top left corner with so much power. It was oh. just arrowed. And, yeah, he's he's just so fun to watch. He's he's just building a reputation for himself as, as someone who only scores bangers. His third goal for the season, and they're all amazing. All yeah. three of them are fantastic. 11 games. 16 years old. He's 16 years old. Like, this is, again, awesome. Mm. This is the... This is the exciting part of watching the A League, A League men's. You know, with these kids. You know, Quoll, um, and this this goal, Iran Kunda. It's just, it's fantastic. Um, Bernardo scored the first one as well. So young mm-hmm. kids, Adelaide, given a go with the, with the kids. Easy to do against Perth, um, I guess, given where Perth are. Um, but just amazing to watch. I, I do wish Carl Vart would lean into it more. So often we see the Isaias one day axes, which is safety tough first. to watch. Yeah, 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 safety first. And we see so. F- few glimpses of these guys off the bench, uh, whereas the starting teams are often more conservative. Yes, they've put a lot of stock in Bernardo this season, yep. but the signing of Ibasuki to replace Cassini Yangi up mm. front uh, seems to suggest the thing they valued about Cassini Yangi was his size. When <laughs> That's not yeah. what I enjoy about Cassini Yangi. I think he's a player who likes to turn a face goal and take responsibility on. He's not just an aerial threat and... They've signed this target man who conditions their play to a certain extent. It's like when they used to pick Peter Crouch for England and then all the players started playing long balls. Yeah. Uh, I agree with you completely because, you know, Craig Goodwin's in the form of his life at the moment for Adelaide United. He's absolutely smashing it. And how good would he be linking up with these these kids? And they're, they're going to make the, the finals. Adelaide are, are fourth. Mm. They don't look like they're going to miss out. They're, they're fairly entrenched on the ladder. So hopefully um, if you are fourth on the ladder, you're, not, you're still fairly low in the pecking order. You need to throw something up in the finals to try and uh, have a bit of an impact and the unknown quantity of these kids getting more minutes would actually be more beneficial for them to have a real crack at it, really. Interesting with the ownership stuff with Adelaide at the moment with Ross Belligra um, reported to be taking over the club from the uh, the Dutch uh, ownership. Well, who we knows ne- who that? We, we don't know. Never, who yeah, we don't know who owns them, do we? I, th- I think there must be some Chinese involvement because yep. of that club in China and that was association with, and they sent a couple of players down mm-hmm. who never really played. Um, but 
uh, yeah, that that mysterious ownership group um, might be cashing in and, and moving on. Um, so we'll see how that affects Adelaide's strategy going forward. But they seem to have the best pipeline of young players available to them in the country with, um, you know, South Australia producing so many good teenage, particularly wide players yeah. and attacking is it, players. Is it a good pipeline or is it just good development and coaching from, from their setup at Adelaide? I think so because I think, like, mm. you know, Sydney clearly would – and. Um, Brisbane and, and Melbourne would, and the rest of the country would have this young talent. It's just, I think, being developed better. I, I think so. It's interesting because I actually see a lot of Adelaide young players coming across to Victoria as well mm-hmm. in the MPL ranks. So I, th- I think there's something to do with uh, the emphasis at grassroots level there that's different. Um, and also... And it goes back to what we were saying earlier, the massive African-Australian community in Adelaide seems to be producing a lot of good young talent. Um, and even if you look at African-Australian youngsters in MPL Victoria, mm-hmm. a lot of the time you go back on their CV and they started out in Adelaide. They okay. were born or grew up in Adelaide. So there's there's something different about South Australia in that regard. Um, and it might just be due to the demographics. Possibly. I... I, I Again, or development, because mm. the the same the same talent would be here in Melbourne, as an example. But you know, basketball and Australian rules football are taking a lot of that talent away as sure. well. So it's maybe cultural, as yeah, well. absolutely. So yeah, hopefully, the more the merrier. We want we want these players. They've been fantastic. So I'm um, I'm calling on on Carl Vart to uh, play the kids, play the kids, play, play the kids. Iran Kunda yeah. because he gives us the highlight every time. And uh, yeah, it's just incredible for a player so young. Uh, to have this many big moments to his name already in such limited minutes. You know, he scored an incredible goal against the Mariners, that fantastic free kick on his debut, and now this goal against Perth Glory, his highlight reel is growing. And for a club whose business model is based on flogging these young players to overseas clubs for a profit, can only be good for business as well. And. I think he's got the – he might do that and back himself to do it. And the fact that giving him a free kick to start off with as a 16-year-old is, is pretty amazing, right? So – and they have, have done that. But I think it needs to be a bit of a, an X factor in, in the finals. You know, the, otherwise the other team's going to play it safe and they've got to do something to try and have a crack. Yeah, 100%. Mm. Um, this final structure is different this year as well. We've got two-legged semifinals. So you've got the – uh, fourth to um, or sorry, third to sixth one-off yep. uh, games yep. uh, with the high-seeded yep. teams playing at home, and then the semi-finals are two-legged affairs. Uh, so to qualify for the to grand qualify final. for the yep. grand final. So I guess there's I guess you could argue there's more of an advantage to finishing in the top two uh, this season, mm-hmm. and also maybe less chance of that kind of upset team coming from below second place um, because when you play two games, you're more likely to have the better team yeah, win. Yeah, the balance come through. Having said that, when Melbourne City inevitably come up against Western United or Melbourne Victory, they've had their number this season. Mm. So um, I'm not I'm not totally convinced that Melbourne City are, are nailed on favourites for, for this. It seems pretty wide open to me. We'll see. Well, they've got a couple of games when they come back from the Asians champ, Asian Champions League. Adelaide at fourth at the moment gives them a home final and that they're going to be very, very mm. hard to beat at home. Um, as it stands, they'll be playing Wellington if we look where it is or the Mariners and stuff like that. So actually Adelaide versus the Mariners at, uh, at Cooper Stadium would be a very, very tidy game. It would be really good to watch. 
Well, I think we're going to talk Asian Champions League on the other side of this break, so stay with us for that. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top four? Stanley, it doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Well, I'm not sure how many Melbourne Victory fans were watching Yokohama F Marinos 3, Sydney FC 0, but I suspect if they were watching, they would have been supporting Kevin Muskett's Japanese team as they rolled Sydney for the second time in successive matches to leave the Sky Blues bottom of the group with only two points Behind uh, the Vietnamese team with the very difficult to pronounce name, let's call them Jalai, uh, on a goal difference. Sydney FC failing to register a win from their first four group matches, including uh, that match against Jalai, which I thought was a golden opportunity gone begging and a pretty, pretty poor performance. Uh, Jason, what have you made of uh, Sydney's Asian Champions League campaign to date? Yeah, not not very much. I'm... Um... It was interesting watching Kevin Musket. They were 2-0 up in the first 10 minutes and he, he wasn't really even celebrating. It was like, you know, yeah, I've just got to get over this game and get it over and done with him. We'll knock him over and, and move on to the next stage. Like it was very nonchalant in how he went about it. So, you know, they were well behind it, 2-0 down after 10 minutes and even with a red card to uh, one of the Yokohama players, it didn't make much difference. So I think they're... Um, the Asian aspirations are gone for this season and, and they won't be there next season given how they're travelling in the A-League. So, um, unfortunately, it's, uh, it's over for Sydney FC. Yeah, just making up the numbers, mm. it felt like. Um, I was encouraged when they got a nil-all draw against John Book in the first game. I thought, you know, this is a group of death, but maybe they can muster something here. And since then, it's been all downhill. Um, and they were just so vulnerable against July and transition that was so predictable, passing the ball around in these big U shapes, never getting anywhere and leaving themselves really open on the counter-attack. And you just think the naivety with which Steve Corica approaching these matches suggests that Sydney FC have learned nothing from previous campaigns, which is really disappointing. It is, and they're going to finish fourth, which means their results don't actually even matter too because mm. the Chinese team's out. Remember the fourth-place teams. The so they're not even making up the numbers. They're not even making up the numbers. They're just actually <laughs> scratch, scratch from the record because, the, yeah, fourth-place team doesn't, doesn't matter. So goal differences and wins and that kind of thing, which is going to help um, Melbourne City with their goal difference when they come into it the last couple of games. Um, sorry, the next game. But yeah, it's um it's a disappointing campaign. Like I keep we keep saying we want we want the Australian teams to be successful in this tournament because we want to promote our league and this is they're the represent mm. representatives of our league. So I thought Melbourne Victory did well with their chance to get in there. So um didn't did a really good job. With Sydney not so much. We have to pin our hopes on, on Melbourne City who didn't look very convincing the other night in their um in their draw with uh with John, John and Dragons, Dragons yeah. yes. Yeah, well, Sydney FC with a campaign so poor it could be stricken from the record books. Uh, We'll see how they go in their last two group games and if they can indeed make up the numbers. Uh, But Melbourne City blowing the chance uh, to go top of the group and and through comfortably, conceding a 92nd-minute goal against Jonham Dragons. Tom Glover's punch going awry Mm. and uh, presenting them with... The opportunity to equalise, they thought they'd done it. Jamie McLaren scoring in the 89th minute, but the K2 side uh, with the sucker punch at the end, uh, 
not the first time we've seen Tom Glover cost City points no, this not, season. No, not the first time in the last couple of weeks either, actually. So, mm. um, yeah, it might be a confidence thing. It's, um, it's a bit disappointing. So, um, need to look at something there for Tommy Glover. You could, you, you'd want him now at this level to be just nailing those and not being shaky or nervy, you know. He should grab the thing. I, for me, it's getting to the point where I'm thinking, is this just who Tom Glover is? And is you know you just sort of assume that he's one of the best goalkeepers because he's come through with the Ollie Ruse and everything, yep. and he's one of the best of his age group. I'm not actually convinced that that's true. I've had question marks about him from day one, uh, from the way he set up his walls on set pieces to yep. how he comes out for crosses to how he uses his feet as a goalkeeper and the decisions he makes with his distribution, yep. uh, his handling. Like yes, he can stop a shot. Clearly, clearly he's got you know the physical tools to be a good goalkeeper and he's made some amazing saves, you know, at full stretch. But with everything around that, yep. I see myriad shortcomings in his game and I'm I'm just not entirely convinced that he's good enough to be Melbourne City's first choice goalkeeper, a team that has bigger aspirations than just challenging for the A-League title every season. They want to be successful in Asia. They do, they do. It's, it's, it's quite amazing you think that Birigidi didn't get a minute when he was on Melbourne City's books a season or two ago, really, given mm. his form in the A-League and probably should be in the in the Socceroos squad. Yeah, it's it's um, it's um tough because Melbourne City are in – if they Melbourne City win their next group game, they're probably going to top the group. They're going to top Group G in the Asian Champion League. They're on top of the A-League you know, how can you be really sort of critical and complain? But some of those errors that have cost them points are basic stuff that you want a goalkeeper to do. Mm. It's interesting to see that um, Paul Izzo is coming out of contract. He, if you recall, followed Popper to Xanthi in the Greek second division. Um, he's probably better than the Greek second division, to be honest, what he was performing in the A-League, so that maybe he get a chance coming back with one of the Aussie clubs. Yeah. Also, there's the Hewitt Bell Redmayne situation yep. at Sydney FC as well. And obviously, Redmayne's been at uh, Hart slash City before. Mm-hmm. So they might be tempted to spring for him if, if Sydney decide Hewitt Bell is the future. Sydney did. Well, Sydney are going to do a big clean out. They need to do mm. a big clean out of the old the old fellas coming to the end of the season. And Redmayne might be part of that. He's out of contract. Yeah, yeah. So. He might be part of that. So be interesting to see. But yeah, the, the Glover mistake well he'll get another shot at it uh, the next game um which is the big game for melbourne city in the champions league they take on uh, bg patham united who are on top two mm-hmm. points clear of, of melbourne city so um melbourne city needs to win to top the group um a draw or a loss they'll probably still finish second and there's still a very good chance of, of uh, progressing through but not every second place team in the group goes through i've seen a few uh People on Twitter and so forth complaining about our coefficient and why are we below teams from, you know, Vietnam and Thailand now. I think it's spot on, to be honest, from what I've seen. I mean, BG Patham probably should have beaten Melbourne City. They had the chances to win in the first group game. We'll see what happens in the return fixture. Um, And uh, July snatching the draw with Sydney FC, they they could argue they had better chances to win the game even if they had far less possession. So... To be honest, this is where we're at. You it know, is, this is, is a reality yeah. check every time. Uh, you know, we, we had a year off from this sort of existentialism <laughs> when A-League teams withdrew from the competition and that, of course, affected the coefficient even more. So that's an artificial um, thing. But, you know, we, we're gonna, we, we've already lost uh, an automatic place. We could, have, we could be in danger of losing a full place entirely and only having two spots available if this keeps going on. 
I think there's still that mentality that we, when we moved into Asia, we're bigger and stronger and faster. We're going to boss all these teams around. Mm. And even Graham Arnold even said that to some of the lesson that in the last Asian, Asian Cup, right? You know, we'll, we'll boss them around and we're going to dominate on the park and this kind of stuff. It doesn't happen. We're not, we're not good enough. And, and our teams mm. haven't performed that well in this competition. So we, hopefully Melbourne City can get the three points. And uh, and progress. So that's uh, that's a like prime time. That's a nine pm game on the Eastern Seaboard. So it's worth watching and uh, and seeing how we go tomorrow night. It was interesting that July game to see the Vietnamese national team players play and how they fared against A League opposition. Because mm-hmm. you know there's there've been a few thought bubbles. I've been chief among them, I guess, floated yep. that you know maybe a Melbourne club should sign a Vietnamese player just to engage that sizable community here yep. given it's a stone's throw from Amy Park um, and I've had a few people come back at me and say oh they're not you know they're not good enough or um, uh, what have you I, I don't think that's true no, I mean not. look it's at not. Kong, Kong yep. Fong for example the captain in the middle of the park for, for July if you saw him play he was fantastic he dominated against Sydney FC every time he got the ball he was slipperier and more skillful than all of the players around him or managed to find space it didn't matter that you know he's smaller and you know he gets dominated physically because you couldn't get near him mm. and the same thing happens when the Socceroos face Vietnam and, and Quang Hai plays um, he's probably got higher aspirations in the A-League at this point I think you know a J-League side could, could conceivably spring for him um, but I just think there there are various dinosaur mentalities out there among where we're actually at in regards to how we shake up against Southeast Asian opposition. Well, the whole three plus one with the import rule that we never embraced, um, mm. every time we get to this competition, we're going, oh, we, we should have had it. Then we could have had, you know, uh, an Asian import in the Australian teams in this competition. It was never embraced. It was just ridiculous because we needed to mm. do that. If that had happened you know, five, six years ago, then we would be natural evolution and we would have all these players from Southeast Asia coming or even even West Asia coming into the, the competition and making a difference and making it better and making it more well-known. We need to uh, look after our region. So, yeah, well, interesting to see. We'll be following City tomorrow night and uh, and hopefully they can get the points. But uh, BG Patham United, as um, Ryan said last week, have been the team to beat with, you know, home support and all the rest of it. It's been really good to watch. There'll be atmosphere too in this game. So it'll be great great to actually see. So if you haven't really checked in with the Asian Champions League uh, season, this is probably the time to do so. Uh, the matches are on uh, on 10 Play and Paramount Plus, and that one kicks off tomorrow night at 9 p.m. Eastern time. Uh, it's a crucial match for the makeup of the group. And, yeah, City need to show what they're made of in this game. Yeah, they were interesting. They've, they've rotated the squad quite heavily. So um, Lots of games in a short six, space six games or Six games in 17 days. So they have rotated the squad quite heavily. Um, they said in the last game, Jamie McLaren hadn't touched it until the 89th minute and scored the scored the goal. Um, well, that's J-Mac for well, you. Well, of course it is. You know, he's still got to bob up and do that. I thought watching some of the early games, I thought Andrew Naboot was going to boss the tournament just the way he sort of um, – with his pace where you can turn it on and, and, and cross the ball in, but he seemed to go missing and, and get his um, back to his normal frustrated self with the linesman and the ref and all the rest of it. So yes, there's two, two games to go for, for city, two games to go for Sydney as well um, to, to finish off these group stages. So we want to be barracking very hard to get, make sure that we've got uh, representation mm. in the next round. 100%. Uh, a few other tidbits to go through before we, before we sign mm-hmm. off for the evening. One of which, uh, Keanu Bacchus being linked heavily with a move to St Mirren in Scotland. Yes. 
another so another Aussie moving into uh, a European league, which is obviously gets me excited, which is good. Um, Keanu's how many, how many games has he played? He's been over a hundred games. Yeah, yeah, he's been around for a long time now. He's not a young player anymore, no. and he's been linked with so many different moves from Denmark and yeah, you know, all these different clubs have apparently wanted him. The Wanderers have held out, and you know I don't know if he's out of contract or not, but uh, yeah, he's uh, apparently signed a, a pre-contract with St Mirren, which suggests that uh, they'll miss out on the fee for him, which is a shame. But yep. still, it's good to see a player go over to Europe with as much first-team experience under his belt as Backus has. That's right. I mean, he was at the Olympics last year, so mm-hmm. he's just turned 23. But yeah, 100 games in the A-League. So that's the grounding we kind of want, I mm. guess. It's similar to Aaron Moy, um, that, that kind of thing in terms of getting – giving it a crack. I'm surprised that South Africa haven't come calling for him or his brother at some stage as well, given he was born uh, in South Africa. But it's a, it's a great move for Australian football. We want to see the best of these kids. That's what gets us excited. Mm. Um, and th- when they have a resume that's worth getting a gig overseas is also makes a difference too. So, you know, um, 23, he'll be expected to start and um, and actually contribute. It will, no more developing for him. He's, he's now yeah. would be considered the finished product at that age. And it adds to the growing contingent of Aussie players in Scotland with a couple of Hearts boys. Um, and, of course, uh, you know, we've we've seen Martin Boyle over mm-hmm. there, which you know, Aussie boys, well, whatever. Plays with the Socceroos, we'll count him. Tong Rogic and, uh, and now Bacchus seemingly on his way to St Mirren. So good move for him. Other movements at Western Sydney, and I'm just seeing this break during the show, but apparently Ian Crook, uh, is moving on from the Western Sydney Wanderers Academy, yep. which is a pretty significant departure. If people remember him from his Sydney FC, uh, ill-fated Sydney FC coaching days, um, he really made a name for himself and flourished as a junior coach yep. and has been behind a lot of the Western Sydney Wanderers Academy players breaking into the first team or finding their feet at other A-League clubs um, and... He's sort of the brains behind the operation. So that's a pretty significant shake-up. I don't know if it's his choice to leave and he's got another offer um, or whether you know this, this is part of the restructure at Western Sydney. We can speculate. Who's looking for a new coach next mm. season? Perth Glory. Perth Glory are, and Perth Glory are currently playing lots of kids, potentially, and they're doing a bit of a shake-up there. So there's an option there, I guess. And if he wants to move down the road, MacArthur are looking for a new coach next year as well. But, sure. Um Yes, I wouldn't think he would move back into a, a senior role at this stage, would you, given what he's done with development? I could see the logic in Perth hiring him mm. for that reason, saying we've got this brigade of young players that we want to play next season and we need a coach who's good with kids to um, you know, to play them and to, to develop them. But... You know, he's had his chances at a senior gig. So, you know, I saw a few people saying yeah. Kenny Lowe should come back. I... You know. <laughs> that's 10 years ago, though. He's Sydney yeah. FC gigs 10 years that's ago. That's true. He's probably got a, a decent uh, – and he's put a, a decent body of work together since then. Um, and maybe if, if I was Perth Glory, I'd be looking at the Adelaide United model at the moment because Perth also has a, a fairly decent football culture there and a lot of um, uh, good youth development and someone that can just sort of tap that potential might make a difference similar to what we're seeing with Adelaide. So the rumour doing the rounds is that Crook has actually been sacked and Jean-Paul Damarini is taking over. That's only a rumour. Okay. It's a Twitter rumour. Take it with <laughs> a grain of salt. Uh, that, to me, is a p- 
puzzling move because I, I don't think the reason that Wanderers have struggled have been a lack of available young players to come into the first team. Mm. You know, it's been a failure of recruitment and it's all the older guys they've got, and a failure yeah, of senior yeah. coaching. So, and, and an insistence on big name players as opposed to any overarching strategy and vision, and just entrusting everything to the senior coach. Well, rather than having to, a director to, of football. To Carl Robinson, that's why I'm wearing my Whitecaps shirt today. <laughs> so, you hey, go. you developed Alfonso Davies. <laughs> he did, he, he did. will mention it in every interview. Yeah, Thank you very much. Did. So I, I, that's puzzling to me if that is true. Um, but given that it lines up within Crook's personal announcement that he's leaving, um, it's a worrying sign for for the new Warren Wanderers era in, in my view. It'll be interesting actually, and because we've had to, to ram all the games in coming up in the next sort of, um, you know, to get the finish to get to the finish line again for the second season in a row. We, we don't really know when the next A-League season's starting. There'll be a big gap for the World Cup as well, so um, that'll interrupt our season given we're in Qatar. So um, people, just, that, I guess these clubs are going to start scrambling and getting ready for 2022-23 for already. Mm. So, I mean, it won't be that far away really. We won't have the uh, the drought no. long off season that we're used to. No, not one game a week like we, we did have leading into Christmas. But, um, yeah, it'll be... Yeah, I don't know, a big festival of football. But, yeah, I guess so. I'm sure he won't be uh, – he'll be snapped up pretty soon by someone. You'd imagine so. Uh, Jason, thank you for your time tonight and thank you for watching along or listening on the podcast. We'll be back next week. Until then, it is goodbye for now. Victory looking to build. Barbarousas is quick. Is he in behind top or Stanley? It doesn't matter! Costa Barbarousas! Wow! Again! Oh, he's done it! Unbelievable kick. Come on here.